0: Turning your Bibles with me to Matthew 4. Matthew chapter 4, if you've got a Bible with you, then please get it out, turn it on. We're going to read from Matthew 4 today. My name is Brogan. If you don't know me, I'm one of the team here. I'm married to Beth, and my six-month-old daughter is in creche today. Um, so I'm praying for those leading creche today. Um, if, uh, if you don't know me, I did not grow up going to church. I did not grow up as a Christian. Um, my parents are wonderful, lovely people. I have a wonderful relationship with them. And they brought me up to uh, be open to lots of different faiths and to be a good person. But when I was 16, someone invited me along to a youth group. And it was there that I heard the Bible preached for the first time. And I've never been the same since. Here was a book that I thought was utterly irrelevant to my life. And yet when they read from it and explained it, it was like it was reading my soul. And so I uh, went home, after a while, it wasn't just a one-off thing, but I went home and I said to my parents, uh, I've become a Christian, thinking this would be great news to them. What they don't realise is that they knew that I was going to church for the last six months, so I think they'd put two and two together. Um, But I said, I've become a Christian, and they were really supportive, they wanted to make sure that I was going to an actual church, and not like some sort of weird cult or something, and... uh, and they, but there's this sort of question, I think, that was hanging over, certainly over me, and maybe over our family as well, which is, what, what does it mean to be a Christian? Brogan's become a Christian. What does that mean? A church, it means lots and lots of different things, but we're going to explore something of what it means today, because maybe you're asking that question. Maybe you've been invited along by a friend today, or you've just wandered in here uh, after a visit to town. Maybe you are wondering what it means to follow Jesus here at this church at St. Thomas's if you are new to the city. And what we're going to see is that to be a Christian means that we have been called to Christ, that we've been called to community, and that we've been called to the kingdom. So let's read from Matthew chapter 4 verses 18 through to 25. preparing their nets. Jesus called to them and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness among the people's. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralysed, and he healed them. Large crowds came from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we are reading this text written by Matthew within a, a few years, a few decades of Jesus' lifetime. We're reading it 2,000-ish years later. So we don't always see some of the what's hidden in the text. So what I want us to do this morning is that we're going to get into a, a sort of a, a time machine, if you like, and travel back to Jesus' time and understand what was going on here. It was a story that people would recognise because it was the story of a Jewish rabbi and his disciples. Jesus was a Jewish rabbi, a Jewish teacher. He wasn't just a Jewish rabbi, but we'll get onto that in a moment. And Jewish rabbis travelled round from synagogue to synagogue teaching the Old Testament, teaching the scriptures. And they had uh, disciples around them, those who were learning to be like the rabbi. They were called Talmud or Talmudin for plural Talmud. And, uh, and what, it would, what would happen with this is that the vast majority of young men and women would go to work with their mothers and fathers. Just like we read here about um, Simon called Peter and Andrew and James and John. They're working with their family in the family business. And they would have been learning the Hebrew Scriptures all the time as children, but they would have worked in building and fishing and and other trades. But a few, the very best at learning the Scriptures, the very best at living a good life, might aspire to become a Talmud to a rabbi. And the way you became a Talmud was this. You heard a rabbi speaking in your local synagogue, and you started following him around you started carrying his bags you started listening to his teaching and he would start to ask you questions in the back of his mind he's testing you are they taking in what i'm saying are they good enough to follow me Have they proved themselves worthy? And after months and months of this, an aspiring Talmud might pluck up the courage to say to his rabbi, if you consider me worthy, rabbi, may I become a Talmud? And most of the time, the rabbi would say, no. Keep learning the Jewish scriptures. Keep being faithful to Yahweh, but do so with your mother and father in your hometown, in their business. But to a few, to the very best of the very best, those who have made it this far, who have proved themselves time and time again, who have made not just a great first impression, but a good second, third, tenth, hundredth impression, the rabbi might just look at them and say this. Come. Follow me. When Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. They were fishing. Whatever their talents, they weren't the best of the best at learning the scriptures. They weren't the best of the best at proving themselves. And before they had done anything, he said to them, Come, follow me. No wonder they left their nets at once. They lived in a culture where you chose your rabbi, but this rabbi has just chosen them. They lived in a culture where you proved yourself with good works, but this rabbi has just called them long before they've done any good works at all. They weren't the most impressive. They weren't the most obedient. They weren't the smartest, but they were those whom Jesus was calling because Jesus is a rabbi like no other every other rabbi taught the way to get to God Jesus taught that he was God come to us every other rabbi waited for his disciples to be worthy of the call Jesus is the only rabbi who made his disciples worthy by his call. And Jesus is still doing the same today. One of the privileges of my job is that I get to hear people's stories of coming to faith. And a lot of them start a bit like this. I don't really know what it was, but... It's a story of someone sensing that there is something more and responding. And I had a conversation with one of our first year students this week who's just joined us last week. And I would love to invite Billy up to share some of his story. Let's give Billy a big round of applause. There you go, Billy. Do you want to come and stand here? There you go. So, uh, Billy, you're a first year at Newcastle. What do you study? So I'm studying sociology and philosophy. Fantastic. And and Billy, you came to St Thomas's last week, your first week in the city. How did you end up here coming to church?
1: So my family has always been to church. um, And to be honest, it wasn't until quite recently that I've begun to take it more seriously. So um, for a number of years, um, I didn't really understand what it was all about. I kind of drifted away from faith. but, but in the last year, I'd say, um, mm. I've really kind of tried to take it more seriously and draw mm. closer to God. So what changed? What was it? Uh, I think it was what you were just describing. It was, it was I guess, a call from God. Um, it, was nothing, it, it was nothing in particular, but I think it was a gradual process over time of God telling me, you know, Billy, this is the right way, and I guess that's what drew me to it.
0: Fantastic. So you're, you're there and you just start to sense this interest in faith and you don't know where it's come from, but you start finding out more about who Jesus is. And, and Billy, what difference has Jesus made in your life in the last year since you started to really invest in your faith?
1: Well, I mean, I would say that I haven't made the most out of Jesus in my life yet. Um, and that's probably because I haven't invested as much as I could. Um, you know, I haven't read my Bible enough, haven't prayed enough, haven't been to church regularly enough. Um, But um, I'd say probably the one thing that Jesus has given me is is peace. Um, And there's a great Bible verse um, uh, in Philippians um, that's, uh, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Um, And like when I read that, it kind of just... I, I, I really felt that, the words jumped off the page, and uh, yeah, um, so I try to live by that as much as I can, not to say I, I don't worry, because I do, but, um, but yeah, it's, that's reassuring for me, because it feels like Jesus is always with me, um, oh, man. and yeah, I'm in his hands.
0: Amen, isn't that wonderful, let's, let's say thank you so much to Billy, <laughs> Billy, thank you for sharing your story. And you know, when I heard that, it reminded me of this passage, because as Billy said really openly and honestly, it wasn't that Billy's been um, been pursuing Jesus through, you know, I've got to read my Bible, I've got to get into this, I've got to prove myself. He heard Jesus' call, and everything else has followed from there. And I want us to enter into the scandal of this passage, because so often we get it the wrong way round. We think that we have to do what the Talmudin had to do, that we have to follow Jesus around we've got to prove ourselves worthy and then we might experience his call on our lives then we might meet with him then we might know his blessing but church the good news for us this morning is that Jesus is not looking for disciples who can prove themselves he's looking for faithful followers who know that we could never prove ourselves and so trust in his call instead. And this changes everything. When we're thinking that we have to prove ourselves before Jesus, when we think about church or Bible or prayer, we will constantly feel guilty rather than joyful because we're worried that we haven't done enough. But when we know that our call to Jesus comes before we've done anything, then we are set free to do all that which we know that we should do. We're set free to worship him and to read the Bible and to enjoy prayer because our, um, our faith isn't based on proving ourselves, but on Jesus' call on our lives. Part of our vision here at St Thomas's is following Jesus. And so the question might be, well, then what does that mean? Is that just a passive thing? You know, just hearing Jesus' call and, you know, that, that's all it is to it. Well, this passage does not leave us room for that kind of uh, approach. Notice that the response to Jesus' call is that the disciples leave everything and follow Jesus. They drop their nets, they drop their source of income, they leave their families behind and they follow Jesus. Now some of us today might have loved what I've been saying about Jesus' call coming before we prove ourselves. Some of us might love what I've said about Jesus' call not requiring our prior obedience, but only because we think that that means that there is no need for obedience. this passage does not give us that option. The only authentic response to the call of Jesus is that we leave everything behind and follow him. So I wonder, what net do we need to lay down today? What is it that we are trying to bring with us? Maybe it's our money or our social position. Maybe it's a lifestyle that we know is not affirmed in Scripture. Maybe we're trying to bring other spiritualities or religions with us and say, I'll have a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of fill in the blank, whatever it is. The only authentic response to the call of Jesus is obedience. Because Jesus' call comes before our obedience, our obedience must follow Jesus' call because jesus call comes before our obedience our obedience must follow jesus call and one of the things that we're called to be obedient to is uh, our call to community one of the things that people said to me when i um when i went to be ordained is they as uh, they said oh you're called to the church and, um, and it was always said in love, so I never actually said this. But in the back of my mind, I was like, no! I mean, I am. But I'm called to the church because I'm a baptised disciple of Jesus, not because I've been ordained. If you are baptised following Jesus here today, then you are as called to the church as any bishop, priest, or deacon you meet. If you are called, if you are baptised following Jesus today, you are as called to the church as the Pope is called to the church. But what are the f- hallmarks of this fledging, fledgling church? Let's read from verse twenty-three. Jesus went throughout Galilee, he was teaching in the synagogues, he was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God and he was healing every disease among the people as they gathered to him. What we are called to be is a community that's gathered around the word of God who are marked by the presence of God. Let's start by the word of God. I, am never, I never felt to be amazed by Jesus' humility. He is perfect. In Colossians it says that he was before all things and in him all things hold together. But Jesus we're told was teaching in their synagogues and this means something specific and you can get a picture of it if you read Luke 4. He's reading the Hebrew scriptures and he's explaining them to him to them. If there was anyone who could just speak from lived experience it would be Jesus. Yet he chose to teach the scriptures. If there was anyone who could claim special revelation or a personal insight to God, it was Jesus, yet he chose to teach the scriptures. If there was anyone who could say, my understanding of social justice is just more advanced than previous generations, it was Jesus, and yet he chose to teach the scriptures. And why? Because he was the living word teaching the written word. There is a certain continuity between Jesus and the text of the Bible, which is why when we gather here as a community, we gather around the scriptures to learn from them, because the written word takes us to the living word, Jesus Christ. The second thing which I would hope you would see uh, if you uh, are worshipping here regularly with us on a Sunday is that we long to see the rule and reign of God, which is the kingdom of God, not just proclaimed, but experienced, which is what we see in verse 24. News throughout Je- about Jesus spread and people from all over the region came to him for healing at the end of this talk and at the end of pretty much every sermon here at St. says, we'll invite people to come up for prayer and I often get questions what on the earth is going on there just give you a personal insight as someone who's often coming up for prayer or often praying with people. It's everything. It's, I've had a terrible week at work. I need to know God's power as I go back to work on Monday. It's, I'm in so much physical pain. Please, can you pray for healing? I've just had a terrible diagnosis. I need prayer for healing. Or it is, I've had the best news this week. I want to bring it to God and celebrate. It is all of life. And what is going on? We're living out the pattern of Matthew 4, verse 24. We are coming to Jesus to know his wholeness and healing. Our church, we are uh, part of a church with a vision to build community. And one of the things I want us to hear this morning is that healing and wholeness happens as we pray for each other. It happens as we pray for each other here at the front And it happens as we pray for each other throughout the week. But it doesn't just happen through prayer. Healing comes from those kind words that someone speaks over you in small group. Those encouraging words. You're doing a great job as a parent. Keep going. You're doing brilliantly living for Jesus on your campus. Keep going. I love how you're faithful to Jesus as you move into a a later stage of your life. Keep going. Healing comes when we meet new friends in a new city over tea and coffee at the end of church. Healing comes when we meet someone who is on fire with love for God and we realise that we've gone cold. It's not just bishops or priests or deacons or discipleship year interns who are called to the church All of us are called to the church. There is no uh, no notion here that Jesus' call is to be in isolation with Him. It's always to community with Him and His people. Let's look at verse twenty-five. Then our final verse: the call of the kingdom. And we read this uh, long list of of place names that sounds more like a geography report than anything else. The large crowds came from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and the region across the Jordan. Now, uh, we probably don't know the Middle East as well as um, lots of other people, but certainly not as well as the people first reading this letter. When they said Galilee and Judea. Uh, Matthew was drawing the boundaries of the region. You had, and I'm very dyslexic, so I'm going to get this a bit mixed up, but pray for me, brothers and sisters. You had Galilee in the north-west. You had the Decapolis in the north-east. You had Judea in the south-west. And you had the area across the Jordan in the south-east. And you had Jerusalem Bang in the middle. That's Matthew's way of saying the entire region has been impacted by the ministry of Jesus. These are not just random place names. He's drawing a perimeter of God's grace and glory that has fallen on the region. And think about who would have come together. Some would have been poor, some would have been rich. There would have been different tribal customs, there may have been historic disagreements and yet they come together around the person and work of Jesus Christ and they see their region changed. This is the kingdom of God and everyone got to play their part. One of the details we skipped over earlier in the calling of the disciples is that Jesus said, come follow me, but he didn't stop there. He said, and I will send you out to fish for people. If you are new to Newcastle, if you are new to church, perhaps you're not even a follower of Jesus yet. I want you to hear this this morning. You have a part to play in the kingdom of God in this city However long you're here for, whether you've been here for 30 years and going to be here for another 30 years, or whether you've been here for a week and will only be here for a few years, you have a part play. Part of our vision here at St Thomas's is loving Newcastle. And that just doesn't mean, that doesn't just mean enjoying Newcastle, although we do enjoy Newcastle. It is an amazing place to live. But it means seeing Matthew 4 verses 23 through to 25 lived out in our city and seeing the region transformed. And boy, do we need it. Between 2014 and 2022, eight years, child poverty in Newcastle went from 24% to 42%. Because of existing health inequalities, when COVID hit, if you lived in the north, you were... um, you are 17% more likely to die from COVID because of existing health inequalities. If you're homeless on the streets of Newcastle, you are three times more likely to die on the streets than if you live in another city. Our city needs the kingdom of God. The word of God transforming and changing our lives. The power of God bringing healing and wholeness. Imagine what would happen if we took God at his word. Imagine in 40 years' time seeing churches full on a Sunday as the Word of God is proclaimed. Imagine walking along Northumberland Street or Shields Road or or anywhere else in the city and seeing children who are well-fed and well-dressed living in homes where mum and dad are together sitting reading the Bible with them. Imagine a city where people live long and healthy lives and and when we get sick or injured, which will happen this side of heaven, we are receiving healing by the spirit of god working through both medicine and through miracles imagine a city on earth that resounds with the praises of heaven we should want nothing less than the kingdom of god as we seek to love newcastle and it all starts with the power of god living in us through the calling Of Jesus on our lives. So, what does this mean for us today? Some of us have had an experience a bit like Billy had a year ago. Some of us have started to sense that we're just a bit more interested in faith. We don't really know where it's come from. And today we've heard that that is the calling of God on our lives. You're invited today to leave your nets and follow Jesus, to leave everything behind and say, Lord, I am all in. I want to become a Christian today. For others of us, we've been following Jesus for quite a long time. But we know that we're still carrying nets with us, stuff that we don't really want to let go of. And we've heard today that the biblical call is to lay it down. Perhaps you want prayer today to say, I recognise this, I need God's strength to put this behind me as I follow Jesus. So we're called to following Jesus. We're called to apply this through building community. For some of us, we've felt like church in the last few years has been a, a sort of an optional extra. Sure, I'm a Christian and I sometimes go to church. And today we've been challenged by the text. We've been challenged by the text to see that a call to Jesus is a call to his people. A call to Jesus is a call to be part of a community that's gathered around the word of God and the power of God. Maybe you're here every week, maybe you're really committed to church, to attending church, but today you know that you need to step in in how you engage with the community. Maybe you know that you've been holding back from joining in on serving on a Sunday or the middle of the week. Maybe you know that you've been holding back in terms of giving, but today you have seen a vision of what Jesus is calling us to and you want to step in to be part of this community by serving, by giving, by joining a small group, whatever it is for you. I'd love to invite the band up as we think about loving Newcastle. For others of us today, we've felt something stir as I described that city that could be in 40 years' time if we take God at his word. And you want to say today, Lord, I'm in. Use me for your glory. As long as I'm here, as long as I'm in this city, as long as I've got breath in my lungs, Lord, use me for your glory. I've grown cold, but I want to recommit to that. Lord, use me for your glory. So let's stand and let's respond together.